0: Welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Well, good morning, and uh, thank you for all of those who came out this morning uh, in spite of the weather. And I think we just, if this was in the middle of winter, we might say, you know, ah, oh, we'll fight through it. But it kind of seemed like this was kind of the big, first big storm of, uh, on a Sunday, and there was ice, and so we didn't want to put you out on the roads too early. But I want to know something, why is it when we see this video that we talk about truth and then I'm going to say, is it in the government everybody chuckles? (laughs) What's up with that? Probably because we know that truth is not always found in our government. Well, we're starting a new series called Veritas, and I'll tell you what, I've been bubbling up inside for weeks, just chomping at the bit, wanting to uh, get ready to share this uh, message with you, and we gotta, we're going to start, first of all, this word veritas actually means truth in Latin, and we're going to start this series off in a way of just really setting the stage for what is to come. I want you to first understand, though, that we've got to create a foundation of which we're to build on, because if we don't build on the right foundation, everything that we talk about going forward is going to be, um, you're going to be leaving left with some questions, is there a way that I can just turn this off? Is that possible? I got a little bit of a... No. Yes, perfect. I felt like a bee was getting ready to bite me back there. It was like a buzz going. But anyway, so here's the, here's the premise. We first need to understand, okay, is there really a God? I know you're in church, and I, I know we think that this might be too basic of a place to start. But the reality is I know there's a debate out there. Was the world actually created? Was it actually created in seven days? Is there actually a God, and is it possible to know who this God is? Next, what we need to understand and we need to establish is, is the Word of God true? Is the Bible really true, or did a bunch of men write this, and it was just a bunch of good ideas? And I think that is the basis of which we need to start this whole Talk on truth because what we're going to be doing for the rest of the weeks is actually begin to get into God's word and, and begin to see the story that begins to unfold for us and where do we fit into this story and it will be, the truth will be found in God's word. But if we don't establish first and foremost that God's word is truth and that God is true and he is who he says he is, then we are not on the right foundation. We are not on the same page. So here's some ideas for us. You know, the idea of the universe is so precisely designed to the very detail. I'm going to give you some, some facts here. Basically this. If the number of stars in a planetary system is more than what we currently have, tidal interactions would disrupt the planetary orbit, and so life on Earth wouldn't be as we would know it. Now, if there were less stars, then actually our Earth would be too cold and we would not be able to survive and grow things. Just think about the stars, the vastness of galaxy and stars, and yet we see stars die and come alive, but it's very precise. Surface gravity. If it's stronger, the planet's atmosphere would retain too much ammonia and methane. In other words, we could not survive in that environment. Just talking about gravity. Now, if the surface's gravity is weaker, the planet's atmosphere would lose too much water. If we don't have water, then we're not living, we're not surviving. Gravity, very precise. Oxygen quantity in the atmosphere. If it's greater, plants and hydrocarbons would burn up too easily. If our oxygen is less, then advanced animals would have too little to breathe. We're considered advanced animals, by the way. (laughs) Maybe sometimes, but we're actually human. All right, global distribution of continents. If there are too many continents down in the south, our orbit would get twisted and we would not have the right growing seasons. All of these things have been... (laughs) uniquely planned and designed did it happen with a big bang i don't know if god chose to create earth out of a bang maybe but at the same token we have to understand where does this design come from it's almost like this big math equation you can actually understand some of these things super bright people who are way smarter than i am can actually create mathematical equations to all of science, to all of creation. It's one big math formula. Well, if it's one big math formula, here's another thought for you. Who created the math formula? You see, you can keep going down this line, and it's, it's too easy to throw out these ideas that There's not intelligent design, that there's just a happen chance, that we've evolved from something. But here's the challenge, is as much as evidence I can give you this morning, there will be other evidence that will try to debunk what I'm going to tell you. So there comes a point in time where it does require faith. It's just not all science, which by the way, science proves creation. But it does require us to have faith because we don't see God today. We see his work. We see his handiwork. We experience and feel him. By the way, worship team, oh my word. Thank you for bringing us in God's presence this morning. Give them a hand. Oh, man, I could have just done that for hours. I was like right in the groove of that. That was so sweet. Thank you so much. This is not a series of apologetics, but it really is talking about faith, faith in a God who loves us, in a God who created this universe and this planet for us, and is designed for us. But there are a lot of questions. If there is a God, what does this mean to me? Who is he? Where is he? Which one is the God of the creation? I know for me, when I was 21, I had this kind of crisis moment. I was raised in the Christian church. I was raised in a Presbyterian church. And I remember when I was 21, I said, God, if you're real, you better prove yourself to me. Because now, just coming out of college, I had this, this understanding of a greater. There's world religions out there. How come the Hindus are so devout and believe their God? How come the Muslims are so devout and believe their God? They're so willing to sacrifice that they're willing to get blown up for their God. And I basically said, God, if you are real, you better prove yourself to me, because I don't know what to believe. Now, God, through his Holy Spirit, showed up in my living room. I guess I was 22. And I have to say this, at some point, and this is where it requires faith, I actually came to this place, and I don't know if this theology is right or wrong, but what it did for me is it made sense to me is I basically said, well, God, if you, saw how ch- you chose that I would know you through your son, Jesus Christ. If you chose to reveal yourself to me through Jesus Christ, then I need to be faithful to the way that you've chosen to reveal yourself to me. You are here today in church. There's something inside of you that is drawing yourself to God. But I will have to say this. If we are only living half of the truth, we are only living half of the, our life. Let me say that again. If we're only living half the truth or only believing half the truth, we're only living half of our life. Today, this is what we're going to be talking about, laying the foundation. So this whole series, we're going to be building on the truths of God that we can live fully the way that God's intended us for li- to live. But if we only take portions of truth, We only will live part way. Well, let's... God of the universe. We know that there's intelligent design. We know there is a supreme being out there. We call him God, who designed this place called Earth, designed us, designed life forms. Let's go to the Bible, the Word of God. I hear people all the time says I'm not really into organized religion because actually a bunch of men wrote the word of God. True. Men did write this book called The Scriptures, The Holy Bible. But can you believe that a God who so designed this planet would be able to inspire his creation, to write certain things that are going to express the nature of who God is and his desire for us? Do you think it's possible? Absolutely. But let's look also at how he's been able to, re- to, to preserve his word over time. Now, the Old Testament is really, there's two ways to define the Old Testament today. The Old Testament we have today is is the genuine kind of Old Testament that the, the Hebrew Bible was actually, which is still in existence, it is taken from the Hebrew Bible. The books that we have in there, there are 39 books in the Old Testament. Now, in the 3rd and 5th century, the Greeks rewrote a lot of this and added some books to it, that's called the Septuagint. And so, they have 49 books, but the 39 are still original in, in those 47 books. Old Testament, they they have found bits and pieces of the Old Testament as early as 600 BCE. In other words, 600 years before Jesus came on the scene, there are parts of the Old Testament they're finding. Now, where we find all these things, these have been translated from generation to generation, and they're called manuscripts, transcripts. People have transcripted from generation to generation. Have anybody had the, those big, thick, old family Bibles? I was going to bring one in today, and I couldn't find it, but it's collecting dust somewhere. I know it's in the house somewhere. But you don't see many of those around. You see a lot of these around. Now, what was in that big old family Bible is the same as what's in here, maybe a different translation, but it is very accurate. But yet, over time, those big, fat Bibles kind of go away somewhere. We don't really know what it is. Same with the, the transcripts that have been written from generation to generation. They just kind of disappear, but, but they carry on from generation to generation. So this Bible, who knows, will be around for 100 years and then just kind of like disappears. It just doesn't vanish. You know what I'm saying, right? It just like all of a sudden gets lost somewhere or nobody finds there's value in it anywhere or whatever same idea. Now the New Testament, which is interesting, so the New Testament, there were actually 5,600 written, handwritten manuscripts that have survived. 5,600 of them. Basically, manuscript one, manuscript two. They're identical. Now the New Testament was written all in Greek. It was a very Greek-centered culture around that time. But however, there are also 10,000 ancient manuscripts that were written in Latin. So we have no discrepancy of, of what we find in the New Testament. Now, this, this whole idea of the Bible being canonized, this word canon means basically authenticated books of the Bible. People would get together and, and look at these manuscripts, and these transcripts, and would say, hey, are they identical? Are there any errors in it? Are they true? Do they match up with history? Do they match up with archaeology? And so they they then establish a canon, which is a section of books that have been accumulated together and say, you know what? These are authenticated. This is true. This is right. The first four gospels were actually canonized in 180c, which basically, about 80, 90 years after the Disciples were around. People have wrote written these books and they became canonized. And then later we had the Latin Vulgate. I know this is all boring. It sounds like a history lesson to some of you guys. Some of you I see you go, Oh man, I'm not going to history class again. <laughs> all I'm doing is I'm just establishing a little bit of a framework for you. Believe me, I'm gonna get practical here in a minute. <laughs> this is coming somewhere. You will be, be happy you went to church today. So in 383, see, 383 years kind of after Jesus, we have a, a pope, Damascus I. Damasus, not Damascus, Damascus I. He was the one who had this Latin vulgate, basically saying, canonizing the whole scripture, the New Testament that we find today. He canonized it. He basically said, we've done the research, we've figured it out, we have, we've compilated all of these manuscripts, and we have looked at them, and we have said, these are the authentic thing. Now, were there some other books of the Bible written? Well, we wouldn't say books of the Bible. We would say there's some other gospels that were written, but they didn't make the canon because they weren't authenticated. They weren't the genuine thing. So this is what we have today. Yes, it was writ- these were written by men, and actually there were no books that will actually were the original autographs of any person. They're all transcripts that were written and passed down. But we get this Bible by people authenticating them, by saying these are the real accounts, by cross-referencing, cross-checking, it's kind of like going through CSI Today or whatever detective show, is like, is this real? How do we check these out? It's real, it's authentic, it's true. But I believe that God's Spirit, who is alive and well in this earth today, inspired men not only to write, but also inspired men and women to compilate these works to create the Word of God that we have today. What is written in here it's true it's veritas. We have a God who created this universe. We have his desire for us which is written by men inspired by the Holy Spirit and accomplished in this book called the Holy Scriptures the Bible. Our lives can be built on this. It's been true and it's been faithful and it has proven people so well over all these generations. Okay, so that's my little history lesson. That's the little foundation that we've laid today. But I want you to understand that, that a lot of everything in here has been validated. You have the historian Josephus, who was a historian at the time, who has written a lot of historical documents validating this. We have archaeological digs that are going on today that validate the ancient cities in Old Testament times. It's true. There's evidence. Okay, so here's what we want to do. We want to go talk about, this is the foundation. God of the universe, real, true. Created the universe, created this world, created you and I. The Bible, it's true, because we're going to go over this series. We're going to go into the Word of God. We've got to establish that this is God's inspired Word for us. Now, here's the other thing. I will say this real quick. I mean, I've mean, i got a rapidly fire here today. This is time slipping away from me. So here's, here's the other thought on this. The reality is some people will say, well, this is man-made religion. All you need to do for a moment is think about our nature, man's nature. Do you think that we would create a God who would want to lord over us, now lord in a good way, not in a bad negative way, lord over with us, to tell us to give up our life, to go serve somebody else's purpose, to serve the purpose of Jesus Christ, do you think man would create that? If you think of man's nature, and man's nature is very selfish, it's very flesh-oriented. No, our nature would say, I'm going to create something that's going to give me the whatever feels good, go do it. I'm going to create hey everything needs to revolve around us not revolve around a god out there not revolve a, a supreme being that is going to you know want something from us my religion would be about my flesh about my pride about what do i get out of it but the word tells us That our flesh is not to be trusted. We are in church. We will get to the Word of God. Here we go. Romans 8. Take your Bibles with me and look at Romans 8. Romans 8, 5 through 8. I'm getting there. Okay, Romans 8, 5 through 8 says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on flesh is hostile towards God. You have to understand, our nature, if we are to create some sort of religion, our flesh would be creating something that is against what God has orchestrated and ordained for us. But we were saying we can't trust our flesh because our flesh is hostile to, for God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. All right, so really what we're saying here is we can't approach this Through our own fleshly nature. Because our own fleshly nature will immediately begin to start debunking everything that we're gonna say. Oh, you know, that's right, this is a man made thing. You're right, the early Catholic Church, they just wanted to control everybody. See, our flesh, our reasoning, our, our, this is what I'm saying. We can't just approach this with mental reasoning. I can spend hours, give you all the evidence for creation and all, but at the end of the day, it's got to be faith. It's got to be faith. We got to base this on on our relationship with God on what God has purpose for us. I'm just going to pop back to Isaiah 4 and just let you know that this is the challenge that I want to preemptively address with you. We're going to hit some of these topics that you're going to say, oh, I don't know if I really buy that. Isaiah 8, chapter 14. This is a prophecy talking about who Jesus is. Isaiah eight fourteen. It says, and he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling for both houses of Israel. A trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Now he says, "Well, he's talking about the Jews." What? Well, okay, before we just go there, there's another one in the New Testament we will talk about. First Corinthians one twenty-three. It says Jesus is a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. Where are the Gentiles? You see, so here's the thing is we have to understand if we are only going to approach us through our flesh, we are going to stumble all the way along through this series. We've got to settle this in our heart and say, I want this to be a spiritual thing. That we've got to come to the place of saying, this is, I'm not going to try to just reason everything, which by the way, we are to use our minds for sure but we can't approach it through our flesh, just our flesh, because we're going to address things that are spoken in the Word of God, and you say, mm, I "Oh, don't, I don't like that. Why don't you like it? Because it goes against your flesh. And then if it goes against your flesh, you're going to then try to justify and say, well, I'm on, I buy half the truth, but I don't buy the full truth. And this is what we're saying. We ha- live half of a life when we believe half of the truth. We live half of the life when we believe half the truth, and this is where we're going to have to say, God, I'm willing to journey along this way and open myself up to the full truth, the full truth of what God's Word says, and not just pick and choose what we want to hear because it feels good. We love the Jesus who forgives us of our sin, but we don't like the Jesus who tells us that we got to die to ourselves. That we've got to submit to authority. That we've got to submit to God's headship and leadership. This word uh, submit to us is, oh, it makes us cringe. We don't like to submit to anything. We're Americans. Well, I'm a half-breed. I'm half American, half Canadian. But anyways, in our nature, eh, is, is this idea that we don't want to come under God's authority. We love to pick and choose the things that make us feel good, but we don't want to submit to the full nature of who God is and what he has planned for us. But as I say again, we live half of a life when we believe half the truth. And I want us to live a full life, live everything that God has for us. I'm doing well. i got another verse for you. Revelations 3.16. See, this is not the John 3.16. This is the Revelation 3.16, which is also a very important verse. But it doesn't make us feel good. It's not a feel-good verse. I want to warn you, if you don't want to know the truth, close your ears right now. You don't have to listen to this verse. But I want you to, if you're willing... Revelations 315. 316. Starts in 15. I know your words. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were would that you were cold or hot? In other words, I, I would rather you cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. These are Jesus' words. What is he saying there? Hot, cold, lukewarm? Basically, he's saying this. I would rather you be an atheist than one who believes and just believes in half the truth. Or I'd rather you be all in. Remember we did the series, an all-in series? That was a good series. He says, I'd rather you decide that you're not going to follow me than kind of play the game, or I'd want you all in. He says, I don't know what to do with you in this middle, and I'm afraid many of us, without even knowing it, maybe... We kind of are in the middle, lukewarm. You see, I believe in him. I believe in Jesus, but I don't want to fully surrender to him. That's kind of a lukewarm statement. And by the way, I would just say I struggle personally with fully submitting to him. I work at it. I lay my life down. I'm trying. But in Revelation 3.16, he says... Okay, you need to choose this day who you're going to serve. And this is why it's so important we start this series with this message. Just in case you don't know what an atheist is, an atheist is somebody who doesn't believe that there is a God. And they live their life feeling like we've just made this story up. And so it's kind of a hopeless Thing. What, what happens when you die i don't know as from an atheist point of view but but this year we need to end this message we need to end with the beginning in this new year and the beginning starts right here in genesis Genesis 1.1 In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The foundation of of where we're going to understanding the truth of who he is, needs to start in the beginning. We need to start and understand that God is real. His creation is all around us. That We are part of his creation. We're designed in his image. We're going to be talking about that next week. God's plan for humanity and our relationship to him. But you see, we can't get to that place unless we understood, and I believe we do, we're here in church, so I'm not on the streets trying to convince somebody that there's a God. I truly believe that we believe there's a God. But I think we've heard a lot of things, and we have access to the internet today that would try to... You look up any of these things about creation or evolution or facts about the Bible and the contradictions that some people would say that are in the Word of God. It could leave you saying, well, I believe, but I have questions. And that's okay to have questions. But I say this is where we need to come. Do we believe in faith? That God's word is true, and it's worth building our life on. And that he created us to be in relationship with him, but he needs to be Lord of our life. Not just, just a friend. The Bible does say that we're called friends. It talks about the relational aspect that God wants to have with us. But in our culture where we don't want to have, well, we want to have God and our flesh. We want to still chase our own selfishness. and We want to satisfy the desires of our flesh and have God. But what Jesus told us, he goes, I would rather you hot or cold. Because if you're lukewarm, you're not going to be good for yourself. You're not going to be good for the kingdom. You're going to be living half of a life. Jesus says, I, I've come that you might have life in the full, Not life in the half. Jesus didn't go to the cross that we could have life in the half. He went to the cross that we would have life in the full. And I want all of us To crave that. To crave Him and His Spirit so much that you are willing to die to your flesh and go on this journey with us of discovering God's truth and begin to build our life on the Word of God, not partially, not pick and choose what we want. But we say we want all, God. We want all that you have for us so we can fully live. Fully live. God, I just pray this morning that we would not be lukewarm people, that we would make a decision today. To say no more in the middle. I'm so reminded of your word that says, choose this day who you will serve. Oh, I don't want to serve anybody else but you, Jesus. I've tried serving my flesh and it leaves me empty every single time. I've tried being a people pleaser and it leaves me empty every single time. I've played in the middle too long. One way in church, another way during the week. Say, I follow you, Jesus, but never give him the lordship of your life. Jesus, today we're deciding. Today we're deciding who we're going to serve. We're choosing to be hot. Not cold. Not lukewarm, but hot. Jesus, come fill us with your spirit. If there's anybody here that begins to question, begins to doubt, God are are you real? Remove that confusion. If anybody here who begins to say, well, I I don't know if I can trust the word of God. Jesus, I pray right now that you remove that doubt from people's minds, that they can say, I am choosing to build my life on the word of God. It's the only thing that is going to hold me. No longer building my house on the shifting sand, but on the rock, on the rock. Lord, as we go into the the series of Veritas, understanding who you are, your relationship with us, the Old Covenant, the New Covenant, the shedding of blood, the cross, Holy Spirit, the returning of Jesus Christ, the soon-coming King. We need to understand your truth and how we fit into this story. Give us a hunger for this series. Let us not miss one week that we might be able to experience your truth that it will transform our lives. Not just good words, but your truth, birthed by your Spirit, that would transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.